I'm Rebecca Achangajulia Bushell, and I was the first black woman to swim for Great Britain. I'm a former British champion and world number one, but I quit the sport just before the 2012 Olympic Games at just 17. I'll be navigating you through the waters of my swimming world, as I remember it and as it exists now. In hosting this series, I'll also tell you more about my story whilst we explore a question I've often been asked. Why do we swim? Welcome to Physical Capital, a series centered around the human relationship with swimming. What draws us to it? How do we use it? What do we gain from it? And what can it take from us? We'll be looking at swimming from multiple angles to help paint a complete picture of the sport. We're going to be exploring swimming through the prism of physical capital, discussing the physical attributes that can give you an advantage in the water and how they've been used to achieve greatness, but also how they can be affected and influenced by politics, geography, and the unequal distribution of resources. But most importantly, we'll be speaking to swimmers, from those that push themselves to their limits in the swimming pool and in open water, to those that swim for fun and for pleasure, and those who document its history. Swimming in the great outdoors is having a renaissance. The constraints of the pandemic and the desire to get back to nature in an increasingly technological world have accelerated the popularity of open water swimming and its physical and mental health benefits have become more widely known too. In this episode, we'll explore the depths of open water swimming with wild swim brother Jack Hudson and marathon swimmer Alice Daring to find out what sets the activity apart from swimming in a pool, the effect it has on the body and why it's becoming ever more popular. So I'm Jack Hudson. I'm kind of the youngest of three brothers who call themselves the Wild Swim Brothers. Well, for about five or six years, we've been going around the world doing kind of adventures together. We started off and we swam our childhood river in Cumbria from source to sea, and that took nine days. It was 90 miles, and we camped along the way. And since then, we, we've been to Norway, we've been to Croatia, lots of places, Iceland, and attempted all these kind of different swims. And the most recent thing we've been doing has been cold water swimming and ice swimming. I've been curious to find out why people start doing cold water swimming. As someone who has spent her whole career in a heated pool, the idea of getting into icy cold water doesn't appeal to me at all. So I wonder, why do people do it? And why do you? Sometimes people who have had some bad news recently or a bereavement or have an illness or something that they're dealing with, that's quite common, or are just under a lot of stress and look, kind of looking for an outlet. Quite common in the cities as well, with people kind of working nine to fives, quite a high stress environments, needing a kind of escape. And um, something really simple like getting into cold water is very accessible to everyone. It has a very powerful effect on resetting your mind so you're not you get rid of all your stress and you're just thinking about breathing it's like meditation 
But how has open water and cold water swimming had such a meteoric rise in recent times? It's something that we heard nothing about, and then all of a sudden seem to hear about it all the time. I think more recently, uh, mental health has been a more open discussion, and it, we see a lot more articles for natural benefits of uh, like going for hikes or whatever you like to do, going for runs, cycling, and discovering how exercise just in general can help your mental health. And I think the cold water is just the latest iteration of that. It's just another way of managing your mental health. And then the aspect of challenging yourself, which I think is very important as well. So it might start with just a dip and then people are staying in for longer and longer and it becomes quite rewarding. The mental aspect seems to be a big factor in why people get involved. Finding ways of coping in an increasingly confusing and stressful society is almost essential. And if you compare that, with doing exercise, surely that can only be a good thing. I wonder if, apart from the mental aspect, there are other physical benefits of cold water swimming. Because it like flushes the system and opens up all your capillaries, it's good for their circulation. You're just kind of like running your body through something quite intense, putting it under like manageable stress. It trains your body to like to, to be able to circulate blood better. As you get in, the blood all rushes to your vital organs so all your extremities go numb and start to tingle and then when you get out again the blood rushes back in that's it rushes into the head and people get their kind of like the head rush yeah yeah and then the rush of endorphins as well so so people i sometimes surprised why they feel really good straight after it's just a kind of natural endorphin high you build up brown fat as well which kind of insulating fat over time and it's good for your immune system as well so it helps you to fight disease as well on a kind of lower scale. And so the benefits of why people do it are adding up. But what if you don't live near a lake or the sea? If people want to get involved in cold water swimming, where can they go to do it? In London, for example, there's the West Reservoir and Brockwell Lido. Some of the older Lidos have a kind of winter swimming culture and there'll be people who go every morning. It's good to kind of attach yourself to a group if you can or find, try and find somebody who does it already. You need to go in a bit humble and just like take it slowly. Finding people you can do it with, making sure you have the right safety and tow floats and things like that and a good recovery place to get out afterwards. Dry rubs are always good. And uh, yeah, a local body of water where you're allowed to swim and it's safe to get in. I've been looking online and there's actually hundreds of places across the UK you can go. There's three that are actually less than half an hour drive from where we are now. So in theory, I could start today. I've always hated cold water. And when I used to swim in South Africa, in a pool with one of the pumps that was broken, the water was freezing and we had to go in in our swimming costumes. I often swam in the sea and the ocean there as well and would always wetsuit up. So I'm wondering, what do people wear for cold water swimming today? At uni, we're swimming in the North Sea. I went to uni in Newcastle so I could go to the beach and I, I would swim in a wetsuit there. We would only ever run in and run out, which is quite common. Is <laughs> it just like get the cold rush and get back out? We've done the thing of taking the wetsuit off gradually, which I think a lot of people do, because your head's still getting cold, your neck's still getting cold, so you're still getting the feeling. And then you switch to maybe a shorter wetsuit, or you just gradually expose yourself more if you want to. So far, I've talked about open and cold water swimming, but for the listeners' benefit. What exactly is wild swimming and what constitutes a wild swim? There was a guy called Roger Deakin who wrote a book called Waterlog and people say that's the kind of start of wild swimming in the UK. 
and he was a guy who went around the UK and just swam in loads of different areas and he would do things like steel swims and he would sometimes go to places where you maybe sh maybe weren't allowed to go but he would jump in and get a quick swim in and it was about kind of reclaiming the right to swim freely and like you are allowed to access to most rivers and lakes and things like that so there are loads of places where you can swim and wild swimming just became a kind of like a discovery of people from different areas going out and finding their local swim spots. We grew up near the Lake District in Cumbria, so as kids, the three of us would go out and just swim in the rivers and lakes all the time. Loads of people always say like, like adding the wild to it, sometimes people don't really like, like it, it just annoys people. But it's just a way of differentiating between swimming in pools and swimming outdoors. The thing that we promote is kind of wild swimming, outdoor swimming, open water swimming, which is not swimming in chlorinated lanes and kind of it's naturally quite cold there's going to be wildlife you're going to be out in nature and one of the key the main things is you can't prepare for everything that's going to happen sometimes there are going to be surprises so it's a bit of a, an adventure i hadn't even considered that element we're stepping into nature we're leaving our natural habitat behind and entering into another's Creatures that were perfectly happy going about their lives and all of a sudden, we splash our way into it. The question is, what sort of creatures are we likely to expect? For over the years, I've got in touch with a lot of different people and there's swimmers in Scotland who share their swims with beavers and things like that, well, not beavers, like otters and things like that. Well, now beavers, because the beavers are back with some rewilding project. But like swans, a lot of time, you have to be careful with swans. If they're with their cygnets, you don't get too close because they get quite territorial. You float into the natural habitat of lots of different animals. So there's loads of damselflies and dragonflies and ducks and things. And suddenly you're at water level. So you see everything from their kind of like how they're experiencing the world, which is kind of interesting. And they are confused by you because you've just floated in. I did a handful of triathlons after I quit swimming. And the swim was always in a lake or sometimes even in the sea. I had this fear of something coming up from the deep and biting my foot. So, I need some assurances. Is there a risk of being attacked? One person was in the Septine Lake. He was saying he was doing his ice mile training, so it's already freezing cold. And one of his strokes, he accidentally hit a swan. The swan kind of left him alone, but it, being attacked by a swan when you're in the middle of a cold swim would be like unbearable. Where I swim here in uh, Sydney, there's, there's been whales migrating across, so you do see the whales from the beach breaching. And there's been a lot recently. Uh, and dolphins coming in as well. There's some nurse sharks. But yeah, don't, we see them on the drones, but you have to be kind of lucky if you're swimming. You have to really pass over it directly to, to see things. But there are a lot of swimmers here in, in Sydney who swim with the dolphins and have swam with the whales and things as well. There's a famous book by uh, Lynn Cox, is like one of the most famous endurance swimmers. Like She's in a cold cold water swimmer like a pioneer really of the sport and she has a book called the day the whale came and she's swimming in california and a gray whale calf passes underneath her in california she's thinking thinks it's a great white and it displaces all the water so as it goes under her she gets like pulled down and then there's eventually like a spout but like the way she describes it like there's all these anchovy and they start like panicking and when you're in the water it it's easy for it to feel like really charged like you can feel all the electricity of like other animals around you and i had to get used to that swimming here in sydney because the water's home to so many like you just don't i don't have to think about sharks back home or anything like that you can just feel the kind of energy around you of like different animals 
Yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like, uh, having a whale or something swim by you. But. Okay, I've almost been convinced to take the plunge. So how do people get involved? If you're in the UK, there's a, the kind of the go-to group would be the Outdoor Swimming Society. That's the kind of biggest community of people who wild swim. So mainly it would be to connect with a group and a lot of local areas. My mum's in Dumfries and she has kind of lo- maybe four or five different local groups who swim in the, the nearby locks and rivers. So there's usually a group nearby. So it would be a good one to try and socialize and meet people who swim locally, try and make some friends with the local swimmers and um, find places that you know from local knowledge are safe to swim. So you have to be careful around like waterfalls and things you don't want to swim directly under waterfalls they sometimes have currents that kind of pull you directly down obviously fast flowing rivers you don't really want to get in when it's um uh, it's been heavy rainfall the day before or something like that or there could be algae that could be uh, damaging or sewage or things like that there will be locals who have swum pretty much anywhere so it's it's usually the, the case that you're not the first person to have thought of swimming somewhere. So it's trying to reach out to people who know and then find a safe entry point and find a safe exit point. Usually it's good to, to start somewhere and come back to where you started, leave your things there and kind of recover where you started. Yes, yeah, slowly is the main idea. Just go into it slowly. And for those who have never tried it, how does it differ from being in the pool? What can they expect it to feel like? The pool is very regulated, so there's more rules in the pool, there's dress codes in the pool, there's etiquette for pool swimmers. You will encounter people who maybe jump out in front of you just as you're about to turn for another lap or swim across your lane when you're swimming down it or like you're kind of hemmed in as well. If it's busy, you might be stuck behind somebody just eating their bubbles the whole time. When you swim in open water, all of that goes away. It's very hard to swim in a lake and if you swim with people, you just it's just you and them in silence the whole time, really. It's just surrounded by water. So that can be quite scary at first and intimidating, but the, the effect of being in deep water is quite like a kind of like well immersive. So you just feel like you're more immersed in the swim. Like it, it just feels different. If you're in the sea, suddenly you're aware of the possibility of animals and currents and things like that, and you you kind of have a heightened sense of your surroundings. So I just think it's more, a more kind of intense and less, re- less restricted form of swimming. We seem to have got a pretty broad overview of wild, open water and cold water swimming. And Jack is the perfect advocate for this. For those who need that final little bit of convincing, can you tell us anything more about the benefits of open water or wild swimming? It falls into the category of... Um, improving your mental health by reconnecting with nature and that's the big draw we didn't come to wild swimming so much because we were obsessed with swimming it was more it was a way to be in nature more often and we grew up in the countryside and it's a common narrative that people may end up in cities and have to work in cities or move to urban environments or you maybe spend more time surrounded by buildings and concrete than you would like and sometimes just seeing green spaces and there's a new kind of idea called like Blue Mind, which is like an exploration of what water specifically does to your mind, the relaxing properties it has for kind of uh, taking you out, out of your stress and things like that. And, and being in nature is, I think, that all three of us have found this as being something absolutely essential. Jack Hudson of the Wild Swim Brothers. 
He's just written the follow-up to his debut book, Swim Wild, a new book called Cold Water, a three-year family travelogue diving deep into the untold benefits of cold water swimming. He's currently funding for it to be published, and you can find out more about it at unbound.com forward slash books forward slash cold water. So that's how you get involved. But what if you make swimming in open water your career? We met Alice in the previous episode. She's a Team GB marathon swimmer, known for breaking barriers as the first black woman to represent Team GB at an Olympic Games. Marathon swimming usually takes place in open water, such as oceans, seas, lakes, and channels. Swimmers brave long distances of 10 kilometers or more, combating fatigue, isolation, and physical strain, often spending hours or even days in the water. But on top of that, what comes with open water is unpredictable weather, strong currents, and varying water temperatures. The swims can be very dangerous, and because of that, safety is incredibly important, and measures, including support boats and experienced crews, are essential to monitor the swimmer's well-being and provide necessary assistance during the mammoth-demanding swims. So, what does it take to swim that far in open water? It takes a lot of mental fortitude, like mental strength, just resilience. I'm stubborn. I'm very, very stubborn. That's why I'm still going. I'm, I'm seen as old in the sport. I'm 26. So it's not too old for marathon swimming, but in terms of like swimming in Britain, it's quite old. Globally for marathon swimming, I'm about average age. I'm stubborn. I want to be the best I can be. I think I've got more to give, so I'm still going. And I see opportunities where people might not want to take them and might not want to give that a go. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to go do it then. A marathon swimming probably wouldn't be my first pick, being completely honest. It's taking me around the world, literally around the world. I've swam in so many cool places. I've met so many cool people. It's opened so many doors for me. I feel like I would have been stupid to say no to these opportunities. My first open water experience was absolute hell. It took me really long to finish it was a marathon swim. It was the first time I'd ever been in water, in open water, sorry. And it was freezing and I hated it. And I got out and said, I'd never do it again. But they were like, oh, well you finished the race. So we'll take you to European juniors where it's only a 5K and the water's much warmer and it's in Turkey. And I was like, I get a free trip to Turkey. Yeah, I was like, why not? Like, why wouldn't I? It's hard. It's a really tough physical effort. I'm going through hell. You saw me through jellyfish. The water's salty. It can be cold. It can be hot. But it's worth every bit of pain. It's worth every bit of discomfort for the stuff that I get out of it and for the enjoyment that I get from it in another way. I'm a big believer of sacrifice in that way if you can cope with those sacrifices. If you can't, you need to know when to take a step back and rest because nothing is worth your sanity, to be quite honest. It's easy to understand why people are embracing swimming in the great outdoors. Being immersed in water amongst natural beauty while feeding your mind, body, and dare I say it, soul, what's not to love. Big thanks to Jack and Alice for their insights as we dove into the invigorating world of open water swimming. Whether you're a seasoned open water enthusiast or simply intrigued by the idea of giving it a go, now might be the best time to take the plunge. In the next episode, we're going to be looking at physiology and psychology, how your body and mind can give you an advantage in the water. But we'll also explore the more negative side of the sport, the impacts it can have on an athlete's body 
and how it can push them to injury and more. You know, swimming is a sport where you spend a lot of time staring at a black line at the bottom of a pool. Like it's it's boring. That's okay. It's it's grueling and it's boring and it's also amazing. But that's what it is. And so I think it's realizing you need the right mindset to get you through those tough times. But you also need the right mindset to help you realize that when you get on the blocks, when you go to race, it if it doesn't go well, it's a learning experience, right? It sounds cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. And that it's not that you haven't failed as a human being. You've just not had a good race. And so you need the right mindset to not kind of carry with you a certain amount of baggage that would then mentally and physically weigh you down in the water. <laughs>